Sometimes you choose courage, and at other times it's forced upon you. Courage Unraveled is a podcast series where you get to listen to insights, discussions, conversations, and stories from people from all walks of life. You'll be served with dollops of courage, resilience, and strength here. So come along and be educated and inspired. You just may find new ways to flex your own courage muscle. My name is Sana Turnock, and I'm your host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Courage Unraveled. I'm speaking with Rebecca Tichbon today. Rebecca shares with us her experience of grief and loss over losing her two-month-old daughter and other things in her life which had happened a few months before then. Rebecca also explains what strategies have helped to move through or manage grief, anxiety, loneliness and depression. Rebecca's story is about resilience, strength and grit, all byproducts of courage. It's a real privilege to be able to share these inspiring podcasts of courage with you. The work undertaken takes many hours to put together and is self-funded. You can support the podcast series by becoming a patron and receiving access to patron-only specials and exclusives. Choose the tier that suits you. The Courage Journal is a fantastic adjunct to these podcast stories. Do you want to start flexing your own courage muscle? Then grab your very own journal. Visit courageunraveled.com to find out more about the journal and how you can become a Courage Unraveled patron. I caught up with Rebecca by phone. Hello, everyone. Here we are with Rebecca Tichbon. Rebecca, welcome to Courage Unraveled. Thank you, Sana. Before we actually move into that year of 2015, tell me a little bit about your life. My entire life, I've been a very self-confident person. I first ran away from home at two years of age because I felt I could do that and and survive. (laughs) I had uh, my daughter at 17 years of age and managed to finish high school and put myself through university. I had a really great career following on from that. Obviously, I had other challenges, uh, sick kids along the way, things like that. And then the lead up to that 2015, I was feeling great and then... Obviously, that was a really, really challenging year for me. Do you want to now move into explaining to the listener what exactly happened in that year for you? This was my first year of marriage, my second marriage. Firstly, at the start of that year, my husband was made redundant. So our income was taken away from us. Instead of being at home with my youngest child, like I really had been looking forward to, I ended up going back to work to be able to support the family and have that security. Then in April of that year, my uh, eldest daughter, who was 21 at the time, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. So even though it's juvenile diabetes, you can get it at any age, it's an autoimmune condition, that came out of the blue. At the same time, my husband's mother uh, became ill and so... My husband and I were split apart, caring for his mother up in Perth, and I was down here in Bunbury with my daughter, with her in hospital. That was both difficult in a sense of what we were dealing with, also not having that support for each other. And you were also my pregnant at the time, though, too. My mother-in-law ended up passing away at that time. She was 90 years old, not a, a big shock, but certainly quite a, quite a difficult time for us to deal with. 
we kind of turned our attention to the baby that I was carrying. Mm-hmm. So I was pregnant at that time, through all that time, and gave birth to a beautiful, healthy baby girl in late August. At the end of that first week of her life, she became ill. We took her to our local hospital. We ended up in intensive care at uh, Princess Margaret Hospital in Perth, and she fought what was found to be a, quite a rare viral illness, and it attacked the muscle of her heart tissue. Mm. There was nothing they could do for her. They tried lots of different treatments. I mean, amazing doctors were called upon to try and help. She ended up going palliative, and we, my husband and I cared for her until she passed away at two months of age. So that was challenging, both being apart from my other children while I was with her full-time in the hospital, mm. as well as, of course, that whole So that was in a space of four months all those things had happened to you? Yes. (laughs) That's that's very intense, very challenging. What happened after that for you? I imagine there would be lots of things that you were feeling or perhaps even not feeling. Were you blocking out grief or pain or were you right in there feeling it? What was it like for you? coming up for you, you know, so that you started to think, oh, am I getting anxious? I might have things like panic attacks, finding it difficult to leave the house, finding it difficult to plan anything in advance, kind of just disengage. 
disengaging from people and from society. I, I didn't have a, a job at that time to kind of force me out of the house, which was good and bad. Being so early in my marriage with my husband, even that became restrained. So obviously to go through that in your first year of marriage was very difficult. Even though we didn't think we were on the rocks or anything like that, but we recognised that if we didn't be proactive about how we were going to go forward in our relationship, then it was going to be at risk. Just staying with that for a second, if you don't mind, with the anxiety, how long do you think that stayed with you for? I would say at least two years. So you had that and then there's the underlying elements of grief that's still there. So for those friends that were able to reach out to you, what kinds of things did they perhaps do or even not do to make you feel okay? I had some fantastic friends that were able to support me. At the time, I'd been in a playgroup with my youngest son and several of the women, we all had our our next babies at the same time. In fact, two were born uh, within days of my child. It must have been incredibly difficult for them as well, but they were able to reach out to me, still invite me to things, and if I said no, that was okay. There wasn't pressure, but they still remained in contact, which was beautiful. And in fact, we just went away for a weekend together last weekend because of that, that friendship and bond that we've had since that time. I made it very clear that the one thing I didn't want to hear from anyone was at least. There was no at least that could ever not be hurtful. Like, at least you've got other children. At least you did get to spend time with her. All those sorts of things that people might say out of um, trying to comfort. Obviously, their heart's in the right place, but it's it really wasn't going to be something that could be helpful for me at that point. So considering you had grief, you had loneliness, you had anxiety, your marriage was being challenged in its first year, that's all heavy duty, what kinds of strategies did you turn to to help you with this? What I recognised was with the anxiety and the depression and that sort of loneliness, those sorts of emotional things to carry with you, it's just going to long-term affect your spiritual health, your emotional health, your physical health. It's all linked. And so I recognise that if I didn't do something to support myself, I was going to put my entire well-being at risk. I did reach out to my GP and unfortunately that didn't really... Uh, help me that much. I didn't feel like I needed medication. I figured grief is actually a natural process and I wanted to find other more natural ways to support myself. Not saying that medication isn't a good thing, but it, I didn't feel that that was the pathway I wanted to go. So I reached out for other natural ways to support myself. I've seen a kinesiologist who, who helped me a lot. My husband and I did the the marriage counselling, which was also really useful. And I also used aromatherapy, which was something that I'd been interested in for a very long time since I was a teenager. 
but had never really thought about much since then. Someone gave me a bottle of a grief blend after the funeral and I really felt that was a, a big help to just kind of focus on a smell and let that and any waves of grief roll over me during the most intense parts and then let that subside. I got really interested in it and decided to study it so I could learn more about it. I love science and aromatherapy is certainly another branch of science. It gave me something else to focus on and, and learn more about myself as well as a new technique. When you're using aromatherapy, was it daily and throughout the day for a period of time? I would have little bottles that I would carry around with me. I can wear it on a bracelet that I can sniff quite inconspicuously, let's say, you know, if you're in a shopping centre. And, you know, a song that was played at the funeral would come on over the loudspeaker and that's it. Like, you just never know when those moments of grief suddenly hits you, like a tidal wave, and they're unpredictable. So being able to have a kind of tool that I could reach out for to help me when those things happened, I found really useful. What oils were useful for you during this time? Interestingly, I had a few of the floral kind of smells, which usually aren't my favourites. I'm a more of a citrus sort of woody girl. Blends like rose, even rosemary, and bergamot has always been a favourite for me. I find that one uplift as well as relaxes. So that one is always one that I carry with me all the time. Grief kind of hits you like a wave. And when you're in the middle of that wave, to have this tool that I can focus on, which is a, in this case is a smell, can make that wave roll over a little easier and just kind of get through it. Grief is something that never is going to go away, but how you work through it is what you get better at, I suppose. What about kinesiology? How did that come into play for you and how did that assist you? I had a, a, a gorgeous woman that I met who is a very talented kinesiologist and she was able to talk with me about where I've been through my life journey and what sort of support I needed. I found her techniques to be very relaxing but also very beneficial. Unfortunately, after this treatment, it kind of feels a bit like a hangover as that energy moves through you and then it resets all of it. I usually had to make sure I had nothing exciting planned the day after my treatment so I could just relax and, and rest and take do some self-care. I found that energy work was something that just resonated with me and, and with my body. Do you think for you that sometimes not necessarily talking was beneficial? You just had to feel your way? Yes, as much as it seems strange to say it as I'm talking about it now, but I'm quite a private griever, so yeah. I just wanted to retract and go to a big group session or something would not really have appealed to me, and even a counsellor is not always the best way for me to work through things. Um, I'm, I'm a bit like a, a bear in a cave. Mm -hmm. 
I want to retreat and mull things over and, and find my own way with anxiety in particular. Having some tools where I could use them when I needed them, but not necessarily needing to do lots of talky stuff was certainly significant for me. You did move into the talking therapies. Was that really to help act as a support for both you and your husband so you can actually talk it through together? Yeah, I think because we were both that type of griever that wanted to retreat, we ended up just spending so much time on our own instead of perhaps helping each other. And that's okay if we to give each other that space, but we didn't want to end up building that space so much that we ended up being completely withdrawn from each other. So it was a really good learning tool for both of us to, with the support of a counsellor, talk through our emotions a little more and be able to reach out and connect rather than be completely alone and withdrawn during that period. Moving forward to now, where are you at with loss and grief? If you think of your house as you and grief is like a sinkhole that's just fallen in the middle of your living room and nothing can fill that in and it's always going to be there and you know, initially you just fall in that hole and you could sit at the bottom of that hole for days. Eventually you learn to sort of climb out of it. And over time, over months, over years, you learn how to edge around that hole. You can walk around it and not just fall in. And there's always going to be times where, yes, you do fall in at this time of year. It can be difficult when there's anniversaries, when there's um, special events and you're missing that person that you've lost, you need to spend some time in that hole. (laughs) But you get better at climbing out and you get better at just sitting on the edge of the hole with your legs dangling in rather than dwelling at the very bottom of it. I, I always feel like it's always going to be there. Don't fight the grief when it comes in that wave. Just let it let it happen. You don't need to suppress that emotion. Let it happen and it rolls over you and then it subsides. That's a much better way of dealing with it than stuffing it down and trying to not deal with it. Sounds like you've gained a lot of wisdom from your experience, that's for sure. What about loneliness, anxiety, depression? Where are you at with those now? I certainly don't have the anxiety that I that I once had and I think using those different tools has, has certainly helped me with that. At first it was a real struggle because before that time I didn't really understand anxiety. I was a resilient person. I couldn't relate to it when someone else would tell me that they have anxiety. And and I almost beat myself up about it when it did happen to me. Like, you know, come on, woman, you've always been really strong. Why is this happening to you? And it wasn't until I sort of came to terms with it more and then used those processes to help me that I, and I got through that. And then looking at ways to help other people, not necessarily directly with grief, but with with other emotional issues. Teaching other people about holistic health has really been beneficial for me. Do you feel now, from what you've learnt about yourself, 
you're able to hold space for others in a more compassionate way? Certainly, especially around anxiety. You don't have to go through what I went through to end up with anxiety. Um, it can be a trigger that can happen to someone at any stage and sometimes we don't even understand why. Now I have that understanding and a lot more empathy but also want to help. I don't mind sharing about what I've been through and the tools that I use to try and help other people move through that space and hopefully help them on their own wellness journey. Mm. We were on the theme of courage and Courage Unraveled is the podcast. And, you know, elements of courage involve grit, resilience and hindsight. What are your thoughts about being courageous? It's amazing where that strength can come from. I certainly wouldn't have called myself brave at the time, but I felt what I needed to do for my family, myself, even for my daughter that passed, that finding that courage to go on to be able to share that and learn and grow from that is, is what you can take away from that sort of experience. What have you learnt as a result of this? I've learnt that I can be a little more open <laughs> and I can turn to others. I was always a bit of the matriarch of my family. Everyone sort of turned to me a lot and I got to that point where it's time to reach out and ask for that help and support. And that's okay. Um, it's not a weakness. In fact, it's, it's probably a strength if you know when to reach out for that sort of support. And there's been some changes in mindset as well with regards to things like financial security. You never know when things are going to happen. And if I know I've got through what I have, it leads you to feel like, okay, I can tap into that strength again in the future if I need to. What made you decide to share your story today? I guess there are other other people out there that uh, have their own challenges going through their own difficulties and I feel if someone else can hear my story and go, wow, you know, everyone in life, has their own challenges, but there are ways to support yourself and there are ways to reach out. If one person hears that message, then my job is done. My favourite quote is, be kinder than is necessary. We're all fighting our own private battles. And I think that's really important to remember that, you know, everybody's got their own challenges to deal with and they all go through difficulties at some stage. We need to both look out for those people that need support but also know within ourselves that help is out there. We can reach out. Well, that's a perfect quote to finish up this conversation. And yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's very beautiful, very apt. So I just would like to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for being able to share your story with the listeners. I wish you all the very best until next time, hey? Thanks very much. 
Please seek assistance from an appropriate healthcare service or professional near you if this story has brought up a response or reaction that requires professional attention. It's a real privilege to be able to share these inspiring podcasts of courage with you. The work undertaken takes many hours to put together and is self-funded. You can support the podcast series by becoming a patron and receiving access to patron-only specials and exclusives. You can choose the tier that suits you. The Courage Journal is a fantastic adjunct to these podcast stories. And if you want to start flexing your own courage muscle, grab your very own journal. Visit courageunraveled.com to find out more about the journal and how you can become a Courage Unraveled patron.